In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, How to Hack iOS, Part 2. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you'll learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be continuing our exploration of how to hack iOS with Wes Widener, a cloud engineer. Yeah, so this this sounds like there's a little bit of, you know, almost social engineering, but also, um, I mean, with the application, to me, that mm-hmm. kind of sounds like NSA level hacking. Like like you said, you're doing like legitimate and they're, they're actively yeah. scanning for stuff. If you happen to get it in there and they find it or they figure it out, you know, you're only mm-hmm. going to get so much before, yeah. um, before so, it gets found. Yeah, so what you have in, in the realm of iOS security is... Like I said, the exploits are worth a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. That's the good news for the average person is you're probably not going to be targeted. But you may be, though. I mean, like I said, you and I, we, we have access to sensitive information. There's lots of people that, that are that. Maybe you're not the final target, but you're a stepping stone to the final target. You know? And, right. And with that, there are ways to get into it. One of my favorite um, uh, stories there – and is that um, iOS security? So uh, this was kind of part of the OS 10 stuffs, but it kind of bleeds over into the iOS. But um, there was a, a Tibetan group serving the um, serving the Dalai Lama, and they all decided that in order to make their systems really secure, they would switch over to Apple devices because they don't get viruses. The next month, they found that all of their devices have been compromised by a Chinese hacking group. Effectively, they didn't become like there were no exploits until there was a need to exploit it. And then everybody looks at it and then, oh, there's there's all this stuff that we can do now. And you see that going on with with uh, iOS over time. And, and actually, it's kind of paradoxical because the community be, – I see iOS as kind of like the um, – like one of the, the highest value flags. Like if you can say that you've got a root-level exploit for an iOS device – then you are guaranteed a slot at, you know, Black Hat or any of the prestigious conferences. That <laughs> yep. I mean, right? I mean, it, it's pretty awesome. So there was one that we saw last year of compromising the um, Broadcom chip system on a chip in the iPhone. Um, if you get a chance, go and look that up. It was an amazing talk. So that's another avenue of attacks is not through the apps. And not even through Apple itself, but through some of the other um, vendors. So <laughs> I tried this joke out last year, but um, there's the the system that handles authentication in the iOS is totally separate from the rest of the phone. So do you have a, a six or newer phone? Mm-hmm. Yep. One with the uh, the thumbprint reader. Yep. So that that is part of the. Um, oh man, I forgot the name of it, but it's. It's, it's basically a whole security subsystem by itself on its own chip and everything. The only interface to the rest of the phone is one bus that says either yes, they're authenticated or no, they're not authenticated. That's it. But researchers last year recently got the uh, full dump source code of that, um, of that system on a chip, and they started trolling through it. And I haven't, they kind of went dark after that. So I wonder what they found. I bet they're saving it up for this year's uh, Black Hat. But that same system also handles the facial recognition in the newest iPhone 10s. 
So effectively, your face could be used to compromise the device. <laughs> right, right. That's so yeah, there's um, it's kind of a combination of of being mysterious, but where I've kind of come down on it all because I'm not going to be like NSA level hacking and actually mobile mobile security pen testing all that is not really what I do day to day. One thing that I've gotten into when it comes to iOS security is the applications themselves. So like I said the um the handoff is one of those applications that could be um that was exploited. But have you noticed have you You've gotten the free games, right? That have the uh, the annoying like ad pop ups, and they just beat you to death with ads. I, I haven't in years, just because they are annoying, right. and I just I really honestly I I don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have a computer right. at home, and I play enough video games on that, so I try to keep it off my phone. Yeah. So there's an interesting phenomenon in the um, the iOS world. We've got a lot of older devices that are out there. So, do you have any like older? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, iPad 2s or anything? Oh, I, I still have an iPad 2 that we use. <laughs> right. Not even kidding. I And I have uh, I have another iPhone that I'm just using as like a media player at this point. Yeah, that's that's great. So so the, um, the older devices have actually been abandoned. And the iPad 2, its last version was 9.5.3, I believe. So that version just happens to be the one with the Trinity exploit. And so um, I told you I kind of slipped over into the jailbreaking side of it and everything. Mm-hmm. So there is a um, um, there's an entire root path for the um, iPad 2 that takes less than five minutes. And it's super secure because they've had so much time to polish it. In fact, they've had so much time to polish the jailbreak that the app that you – know, the prepackaged app that comes to uh, – for jailbreaking it has a um, – uh, the guy includes a mixed tape on it, and it's just – it's really wild. <laughs> anyway, it's super stable and all that. And so there's this there's this question of how many people are going to go into jailbreaking older iOS devices? Now, I say uh, – my prediction last year was that the jailbreaking community will continue to grow as devices get older. Mm-hmm. Um, that The jury's still out on that. What I do know is that um, – Apple actively hunts down jailbreaking. Um, that is something that they absolutely cannot stand. There was one guy that posted on um, – he, he even – he just hinted at a jailbreak, and they Apple leaned on, um, on GitHub, and they basically just shut down his entire GitHub account. Hmm. So there's a steep price to pay, and that's actually how Apple solves a lot of their security um, holes. They will go after the security researchers like you wouldn't believe. So it's a very risky thing. Um, it's one of those things where you either win big or you win nothing. <laughs> there's almost nothing in between. So application security. There's an entire community of people that pull down applications, disassemble them, and then like put their own stuff into those applications. And they call these, oh, it's Ninja apps. iOS Ninja. That's what it is. So there's these apps that are just enhanced a little bit. And they're made mostly for jailbreak, for jailbroken iOS devices. But like I was saying earlier with the uh, the annoying ad-supported apps, like I think that there's a – that's a ripe world 
to, to get into. So that's where I'm actually going with the next part of this talk is um, getting into the jailbreaking. Like, yes, we jailbreak our, our iPad 2s, and after jailbreaking it, we can still download apps from the App Store, and then we can take those apps, those APKs, disassemble them, put whatever we want to in them, sign it with our own developer key, which, yes, it does require you to pay $100 to get a developer key, and then you can put it back onto your application. Now, that's not a distribution mechanism, but it is a um, me-screwing-with-applications mechanism. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's actually what's gotten me really excited about iOS security. I mean, the the kernel exploitation is like the guys who do that are rock stars, but – right. I'm not a rock star, but I can at least like play in the minor leagues and hack these applications and take right. out the stupid um, ad network and crap like that. Okay. Are there any specific tools available for, for hacking iOS? Yeah, there's, um, there's at least two really good tools that I, I want to call out. Um, there is the LibI mobile device. It's a... Um, it was a library that was put together a super long time ago, way back in, let's see, I'm looking at the release notes. 2010 was the first official release, 1.0 release. And it was just for people using um, Linux devices to be able to to just do like simple things like syncing their device with their computer, putting music on it, stuff like that. It was just a compatibility layer. But from a security standpoint, what you can do is you can connect to your device's syslog. And the syslog has been scrubbed over time, so it's not going to give you like, like really low-level stuff, but it'll at least tell you about all the events that are going on behind the scenes in your applications. And one of the interesting things that it'll show you is applications that crash. Um, another thing most people don't realize that according to some reports, um, and there's a few that are out there, iOS devices crash more than Android devices. Really? Part, yeah, part of that is because as a as a iOS developer, I can hide behind. I mean, the device is so polished and everything, but you've probably noticed apps crashing on your phone, haven't you? I, you know, I, I've had issues where apps just stop responding, and I just yep. have to like close them all the way and then reopen them. Well, they'll either close or what Apple does behind the scenes is it will just tear an application down and then it'll just flip you back over to the home screen. That's when an, that's an application crashing. Now, most people look at it from a user from a UI standpoint, a UX standpoint. Oh, the 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 thing just flipped me back to the home screen. That's not what happened. It crashed silently behind the scenes, and there was like this whole crash dump that was emitted. But it's not going to tell you that because Apple knows that they they lose favor if they tell people how much the, how much apps actually crash. Now they <laughs> track so statistics. <laughs> yeah. So with this Libi mobile um, platform, you can track the syslog that's coming out. And you can also track the uh, or you can pull down crash reports of applications. So if I'm running, if I'm securing like a an enterprise. I'd want to know this. I'd want to know, like, what applications do you have installed that are crashing a lot? Because those would probably be good applications or good candidate applications to um, to try to exploit. And if I'm, especially if I'm a, if I'm pent, if i if I'm at a company that is putting out an iOS application, if I want to pen test it from a black box perspective, this is one. This would be one of the first things that I would use. Um, this would also allow you to. Um, to take a, a backup 
and then sift through all the information in a backup. And there's actually two or three talks from there's there's one lady in particular, I don't remember her name, but she goes through like all the wealth of information that you can get from someone's backup. And from a forensics uh, standpoint, that's that's effectively what law enforcement does um, to for forensics on a device is they'll just uh, sync it, take a backup, and then go through all those all those files. So, yeah, Libi mobile device will let you do all of that. It's funny because it's it's so old that there are features in it that have been um, that Apple has discontinued, like the ability to just install an application straight from um, Libi mobile device. Now it's a little bit harder. Or the plist, like I was saying earlier, there was this whole functionality where you could list out plists. Oh, and I, I don't think I finished that one. But the guy, um, Steve, I think it was Stephen Esser who put out the um, application. It was Sys Monitor, and mm-hmm. the irony is that Apple got mad at him, yanked that application, kicked him off the i the the Apple Store. A month later, the Trinity exploit came out, and he proved like everybody who has the app. On their phone, when the, whoever downloaded it, Apple's not going to reach in and just delete it off of your phone. Right. So everybody that had that app already installed was able to detect if they had been compromised or not. And so his really public um, uh, tweet on that was, if they'd have just left my app in the store, people would have been more secure. But they – because they wanted to save face and say, no, our, our apps can ever or our phones can never be hacked, they actually effectively made it less secure by pulling right. it off. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember that whole thing going down. I, I unfortunately was not one of the ones who was able to grab that before. <laughs> right, and I've, I've pestered him about it after the fact. You know, dude, can I, can I have access hook, to it? Hook because, a brother up, man. Well, yeah. because you can uh, you can sideload that, and and that that would be really cool. So yeah. anyway, that that's been on my back burner too to to kind of <laughs> something like that. Now that would be a talk to to <laughs> start to get system tools on your Sysmon on your yeah on your yeah iPhone. and and you know on a on a compromised device it's absolutely possible. In fact, that's an entire like I said um, side so side loading and knowing what Apple blacklists. If you're you can write an app. And, and sideload it and get around most of Apple or a lot of Apple's controls. Not all of them, but a lot. Mm-hmm. You can sideload applications that they would never um, approve through the official means. For example, like the Ninja apps that I was talking about, one of them is YouTube Plus. And the plus there is that you can um, cache whole movies offline or videos offline and all that stuff, stuff that the App Store would never approve. But it's features that, that people like us want, right? So that's why I say that it's an interesting area. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into the second of the two um, tools that I, I would mention. Uh, Sciadia Impactor is the tool that's used for sideloading an application. Now, you could go through Apple's official, like there is a way to do it through Xcode and all that stuff. That's for if you're going to be a, a good upstanding developer. But for shady um, security guys like us, there's uh, the Sciadia Impactor and... You can sideload things without having a developer account, but there's a certain limitation. This is a really weird one, too. Um, Apple won't let you install something through a side channel loading that impacts the networking capability of the device. For example, they won't let you sideload a VPN application. You have to have a developer certificate. Do you know why that is? 
Uh, no. It's, to, it's something that China has forced them to do. So in order to sell in China, they have to have the ability. Apple yeah. has the ability to blacklist um, non-official VPN clients. Yep. Now, think about that. That, that means that Apple is, is directly like, involved in helping the Great Wall of China, which we know that like, many large companies are. But this is one of those areas where like, Apple's dictatorial control and their like, desire to sell devices works against us. I, I, I want to see that, that shady gray market of apps like grow. <laughs> I'm sure it will at some point. Um, yeah. So uh, j- just to recap, the tools were which one? Lib iMobile device. Lib, and how do you spell that? Uh, Lib, L I B I mobile device.org. Okay. And then and the I other one? So the Syadia Impactors, C-Y-D-I-A, Syadia Impactor is part of an entire suite of jailbreaking tools. And so there's like there's like several other related tools there. So you use Syadia Impactor to install like the jailbreaking app that I was telling you about for your iPad 2. Mm-hmm. And then like after you've gotten it jailbroken, there's like a there's remote um I, I guess you could call it a remote uh, tr- access utility, mm-hmm. but it, it also has some legitimate and interesting uses as far as pen testing, too. So I can script interactions with my device using this tool. Now, that also means that it would be a great tool for me to use if I could ever get root on a device to to do things. But anyway, like th- there's that whole other shady side <laughs> in the, the uh, in the jailbreaking community, yeah, yeah. So well, they have to be because you know Apple's hunting them down. So well, they are, but not just with iOS or not just with um, iPhones. But what I've seen is a, a growing trend of of attacking the watch. The um, yeah, like the there was two exploits for the watch last year. Um, the guy that I was talking about, the one that wrote the system internals book, his biggest thing recently has been attacking the, um, the Apple TV stuff. So he has a, he calls it Libra TV. Um, there's a permanent exploit in some of the older Apple TVs. And the great thing there is that if you exploit it, then you can put, um, uh, Cody on it and actually becomes a really useful tool. Whereas I would argue that Apple TVs by themselves aren't, aren't really that useful. But um, yeah, so all the the connected devices are interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it just opens up their attack surface or makes mm-hmm. their attack surfaces uh, much bigger. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what resources are available for learning more about iOS hacking? Um, well, I'm going to be a little bit self promoting here. I've got a collection of resources at um, OS10 Security Awesome. So there's a list of of really good iOS security researchers um, that you could follow and probably should follow for um, Twitter. There's a list of really good books, and including the System Internals book that um, the guy who wrote it, he uh, had a falling out with his first publisher. So he recently, last year, bought the rights back and then open sourced the entire book so you can get the whole thing for free. And one of the rules of thumb with iOS um, security resources like books is that the older they are, the less useful they tend, on, tend to be. But his has actually stayed fairly relevant. 
And if you follow his website, I mean, you'll just throw out all kinds of great resources on that. Um, then there's also like, I also have like a whole bunch of um, exploits that have been written up and then try to stay up on the cases. Like Poison Tap was was capturing the DNS from a device and effectively um, um, taking over. Um, just based, it's basically a network exploit of the device. Um, kind of like think about the uh, what's what are the um, the keyboard type applications? Are they, are they the rabbits? No, the rubber duckies. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a rubber ducky for an iPhone. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and then uh, juice jacking was another big one. Um, and this is one of the things that I tell my kids too that plugging your device into any old random charger. Like whenever I'm at, uh, like when I was at uh, the Edge conference in in Nashville, they had a charging station that was complimentary. Right. But it was amusing to me because that's like one of the number one places where I would try to exploit people's devices if I if I was so inclined. Right or airports. You know, I've seen them yeah. all over the airports now. Right, right. It's like it's prime target for a watering hole attack. Yep. So. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it. it I kind of came into this with like. Um, okay, we're gonna hack it from you know application, but there's like all these other you know ways of oh, getting yeah. it. So it's yeah, pretty interesting like, to think about. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I really respect iOS's security, the way that they've thought about it, and and it's mostly the implementation details that that it really suck. I mean, but that's the same thing with with everybody, right? It's mm-hmm. the implementation that'll kill you. Yep. No, absolutely, and and really, you can I think there's always going to be ways to find it, uh, your way around um, security. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's going to be another big iOS vulnerability that probably comes out because, yeah. to be honest, there's they're 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 out there because they're selling for two million dollars. It's just you know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. within like governments and you know yeah. anybody that can afford that kind of stuff, and they want to keep using it because it gives them intelligence versus um, you know protecting. Uh, the, the the general public. Yeah. So Apple Apple still has a very strong perimeter defense mechanism. Um, right. the, the company that I work with, uh, CrowdStrike, we have this notion that you're you've probably already been compromised. So let's just monitor your environment to see whenever that happens. Apple has the castle defense. They're still in that mindset. So that's one of the. That's one of the reasons why Apple is very attractive is because they don't have a way to monitor or verify that your device has not been compromised. You, so you wouldn't know it until it starts acting up or whatever else. Hmm. So um, one of the biggest avenues um, that I wanted to mention, too, is that um, system libraries. So rendering images – and then there's one that the one that I was thinking about that came out a little bit earlier this year, I think about a week ago, the Chai OS bug. Um, it especially crafted um, message crash iMessenger, and it's using Arabic characters, which is kind of funny to me because there was like two other previous bugs that were that were able to crash iMessage using Arabic characters. Apparently, it's uh, really hard to get the what is it left to right. Yeah, left or right text down uh-huh. well. <laughs> so, so it's um, yeah. I mean, Apple developers make mistakes like everybody else. Right. Um, the difference. Oh yeah, we yeah yeah yeah. We just had root. The, the yeah, the, the root, root vulnerability for not for yeah. iOS, but yeah. <laughs> well, and, oh, you and know. that's yeah, and that's a great that's a great example of how like 
they're like I was saying earlier, they've they've made the devices more or less secure over time, and they've done it because they want to do things for you. So that that exploit was if the the it would it would ask you for the root password if the root password didn't exist during an upgrade previously, it would just set it to a blank um, password, which you know that that was part of like the code review. That would be back to your uh, secure coding practices stuff like right. that. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that or that or testing. You know, <laughs> let's just set up. You know, hitting spacebar a couple times. There's there seems to be some things there. Like the kid with the Xbox that wanted to get into his dad's account, he hit it like sixteen times, and it's like, mm-hmm. and then it let him in. So fuzzing people, fuzzing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like I said, my all all four of my kids had iPads and. Or they they all have iPads, and one of like they all wanted to break into each other's devices. So the <laughs> best pen tester for that was my kids. Yeah. Like they figured out how to um, what was it? My my oldest son he figured out like a long time ago with the iPad twos at the lock screen. If you just swipe left and get into the photo app, then you can just hit the home button or something and it would flip right into the the device. Now that was something that they patched out really early on, but I I watched him do it and I watched him just patiently go through all that and thinking, wow, that's, that's the essence of pen testing right there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Kids make great pen testers. So yeah, they do. They do. That's one of the reasons why I like, like that was the inspiration for like, like I said, the iOS talk and now the, OS 10 or the the OS 10 talk and now the iOS talk because my youngest son when he was saying that he was coming so the whole thing played out like I had, I had taught his sister how to get mods for Minecraft and how to install it on her laptop and all that stuff and so that was that was fine and he really wanted these same mods on his on his iPad and I kept telling him no no dad's busy doing all this stuff and then one day he's like, "Dad, I don't need you anymore. I installed all the mods I want." <laughs> you know, and like red alarm bells go off all yeah. over. Yeah. Like, what did you do? Bring me, bring me your your iPad. Let me see what's going on. And he had gone onto the app store and downloaded like all of those shady <laughs> applications that that you were saying you didn't you didn't go on there anymore because they're there. But all yeah, right. and and the the thing is, Apple would mark these apps as malicious and they take them out of the app store, but they would never notify you. They like they would just silently disappear. Yep. You never saw these apps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so what would you like to plug? Um, and that's pretty hard. Twitter. You're on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Twitter. Actually, I'd really like to plug the OS, the OS 10 security. Awesome list. Okay. Well, you, you because, we did that in your resources. That will be in the show notes. I've actually just emailed it to myself at work. So I was like, ooh, that's a really good resource because, like I said, we're trying to do some of that <laughs> stuff. So, yeah. And if, and if any of your listeners know anything more, if you want to contribute, like I love contributions. So okay. I want to keep that as up to date as possible. Cool. That is a GitHub project. So you guys can go and contribute to that. Yep. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, thank uh, thank you for yeah, thank you for joining me to discuss how to hack iOS. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at Timothy Dblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E I S. 
If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.